on a brand new Josh Nason's punch out. I continue my look back at the year that was pro wrestling in the year 2023 with a stop in September. Rejoining me is Davey Portman of Post Wrestling and Poison Rana. He is back, and he and I talk all about the month of September, which is headlined by AEW officially terminating the contract of CM Punk. We talk about all the hubaloo, hubaloo, hullabaloo. There, there we go. About all that, which included him not being at the fall weekends all out, which was in Chicago. And Tony Khan had to reveal this news in front of the Chicago crowd at Collision a few days before. Yeah, quite a uh, quite a time to be alive as an AEW fan. But big news there. So we'll talk about that. Of course, AEW Grand Slam as well. On the WWE side of the street, everything was peachy. Their deal with Endeavor officially became official TKO, a thing traded on the stock market. And all types of news coming out of that. The company renewed their first TV rights deal domestically, which is SmackDown, returned to the USA Network. And a little bit of a surprise there. We chat about that. Jade Cargill officially signing her multi-year contract with WWE and all kinds of other stuff that happened in the month as well, including stuff in NXT and Becky Lynch winning the NXT women's title, Impact Wrestling, and Will Ospreay returning to the company for some dates. Japan, the junk drawer, which has everything and then some from the uh, the month in pro wrestling. This is a fun hour-plus show with Davey Portman talking all about September. So let's get into that right about now. Well, the year interview series keeps rolling here on uh, Josh Nason's Punch Up, returning once again. I'm glad to have him back, Davey Portman. You hear him on, of course, Poison Ronapod with uh, Braden Bra- Harrington. Braden Harrington. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I saw the name, Bray D, and I'm like, Bray Wyatt. I'm like, all of a sudden, my head just started kind of like, and brain started imploding on itself. Yeah, of course, Braden mm-hmm. Harrington, who forget. And up next, of course, on Post Wrestling. You've heard him here last year and uh, all the place. Davey Portman is back. Davey, welcome. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me. How's it going? Things are going great. And uh, we're just catching up before you were, uh, you know, we, well, my guests I haven't talked to in a year, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, catching up and you've had a pretty busy year and a pretty successful year, I would say, huh? Yeah, we've been, uh, we've been lucky enough to go to quite a few events this year. Um, AEW All In happening in Wembley, which is kind of just down the road from uh, my family house back in the UK. So got to visit the family, got to go to Wembley for that. Um did a whole like um, pre and post party event for that. Um, did uh, Forbidden Door was in Toronto where I live now. So we did events for that and just, yeah, been been really trying to build up the kind of uh, live sort of uh, party pre hangout, post hangout for a lot of these wrestling events, uh, hosting watch parties as well. So yeah, it's been our, our busiest year when it's come to that. And obviously always ticking along with, the multitude of podcasts we're putting out on both uh, Poison Rana and Post. That's right. So tell me about the uh, you know the Wembley experience from from your perspective, being a native son, so to speak, and just kind of being familiar, obviously, with that area and, and having that uh, that magnitude of event return for the first time since you know SummerSlam '92. I think it was. What was that like for you? From a again from from someone that that's 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 your home, right? I mean, that's kind of where you grew up and, and, and all that kind of that experience of having something that big, you know, it's kind of coming to your world, so to speak. 
Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Like I've been I've been saying for years about uh, like like Wembley, just London is a perfect sort of host city. I, I've been to uh, a lot of WrestleManias. I know the cities I like for WrestleMania. I know the cities I don't like. And kind of Wembley, you've just got everything there. You've got the, like, there's a convention center, there's an arena, there's the stadium. It's well connected by the tube. There's loads of uh, hotels and stuff. So I, I think the setup's just um, so good for a big event. And uh, I think since WWE moved from pay-per-view to, uh, like the network I, I don't think there's any excuse in uh, kind of doing these events all over the world which we've started them seeing them doing they've announced Berlin and Paris uh, sorry and France for next year um, so and AEW kind of seeing that opportunity and swooping in and doing it it was it was very cool I I, I kind of think they uh, didn't completely nail it if I'm being honest I don't think it was the most attractive card I think mm-hmm. they were uh, I think they were selling it just based on the fact it is that first huge wrestling event since 1992. Um, but I think they had a real opportunity to kind of make this their WrestleMania and have some real kind of uh, key marquee matches, which I I got to say, I don't think they really did. As much as I enjoyed the show, as much as it was awesome being with that kind of crowd, like the European crowd going to uh, see wrestling and a lot of these people there... Uh, haven't probably been to an AEW event before. So their first time singing Judah, singing Wild Thing and just having fun. That was cool. I just think there were there were some big matches they left on the table that they opted with the kind of get everyone on the show, six-man tag approach, which isn't sure. my cup of tea. Yeah, well, uh, I agree. And we'll uh, obviously still have the you know, second round of it coming up this August, which we've heard about ad nauseum on every single AEW show. It's like, I think people know that there's it's on sale. Yeah. I mean, we still have <laughs> what, nine months to go, uh, give or take before this happens. So yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of all in talk in the year ahead, but let's start with AEW. So this month, um, is September. So again, if you're from, new to the series, you missed a lot, uh, one episode every month, a different co-host. And we go through a different month of the year in depth on all the different happenings, all these different organizations and so on. So this month is September and it's the fallout to uh to all in because we had aew finally terminating cm punk's contract with cause they made sure to say that i remember where were you when you we you first heard this news do you remember uh, yeah it was my birthday and i was oh wow. uh i was eating a barbecue food at a place called bodeans in in soho in london and suddenly my phone's blowing up and cm punk's been uh being terminated and then just like is this real like going through it all like reading it everything sort of all the kind of you know things you're subscribed to the newsletters trying to find as much information as possible and and then you're seeing the clips of you know tony khan talking uh before collision uh in front of the crowd there's the the video he uh, he put out before collision started where saying he feared for his life and all that. So yeah, I very clearly remember where I was and uh, the reaction to that. Yeah, I was at a brewery that was having its uh, final day and I was enjoying a, uh, what was I having? They had left. They had all their good beers were all tapped out by the time I got there. I can't remember what I was having, but I was just sitting there all by myself, enjoying a beer. And then all of a sudden uh, I get this alert in our Slack message about, about the news. I'm like, what? And I saw the release and it was kind of interesting. All these people around me who could have not cared less about CM Punk. And I'm just kind of sitting there just staring at my phone, uh, remembering that. But yeah, this is a, a big day, obviously. And 
Uh, Tony Khan addressed the firing and collision. This happened on a Saturday. And this happened, of course, after all the stuff uh, surrounding uh, AW All In and really just a kind of just the, the last uh, the last straw. I mean, you could use all types of analogies, but just you, know, you heard all these stories and stuff getting leaked about his influence collision, his, his confrontations with guys like Jack Perry over the broken glass stuff and all that. And then all this stuff, of course, happened, uh, came out after this, as we kind of expected what, you know, Chris Jericho uh, talked about a conversation he had with Punk at All In, which really wasn't that much. Talked about, like, uh, he joked he was going to do a GTS or something like that. And, like, it was just like a nothing conversation, but, uh, you mm-hmm. know, nothing really there. Um, there was some talk about this uh, this supposed meeting that Punk wanted to have with the Elite. And, you know, Punk was on his way to meet and the Elite, you know, decided to change it at the last minute. That turned out to be false because Elite, I guess, never had any interest in talking with him, or at least the, the Young Bucks didn't. Uh, Jim Ross said he's going to miss Punk on Collision, enjoyed being around him. Uh, throughout the during the month, Punk returned to MMA commentary for his uh, Cage Fury uh, commitments and made kind of a a light reference to it, which uh, you know people you know logged onto that. Uh, there was a report that Punk does not plan to sue Tony Khan and Ace Steel, of course, Punk's good friend and AEW producer, was brought back during Collision. That was a whole thing that delayed the announcement of Punk being announced for the debut of Collision, if you remember that. But this was, you know. As we went through August, this just felt like it was inevitable something something had to break. I mean, he came back in June, and it was just the split squads, and you just, again, you heard more of his influence, and the way it was kind of, um, you know, being framed was that it wasn't a positive. Um, mm. It was just a whole, it just, it. it's unfortunate it got to this spot, but it was something that I, I think, I think most people probably think it just needed to happen, because after the all-in incident, like, there was no... No, there was no going back. Yeah, like obviously uh, TK put in a a tricky spot there with having to fire your like major star, but I I couldn't see it happening any other way. Like uh, something needed to happen. If these talks with the elite weren't going to go down, um, you could just see it escalating. People like what a head of talent relations being banned from attending uh, Collision and your, your own shows. It's something was clearly going to happen it was a a real shame to see because i think AEW felt like a place just perfect for punk um and uh yeah just it that second that second run it just felt so sour and um obviously then punk's probably looking and seeing these attendances that aren't as great as they once were as well and that's kind of probably feeding into a bit of his feelings with the company as well. Um, but yeah, I think this uh, all needed to be addressed so, so long ago. Yeah. You know, like uh, these people needed to be forced to have a talk and and sort out some things. And um, it just escalated because there were, there were rumblings way before Brawl Out about, you know, some tensions going on. And, and you, you go, oh, is that just kind of rumors or stuff? And then we've seen how the next sort of 13 months played out obviously uh truth uh within it but uh i think it's a real shame um it's it's interesting seeing uh punk now in his honeymoon phase in wwe but you know at nxt all these photos with you know cora jade roxanne perez and Mm -hmm. that seemed to be a big issue as there's like he wants to kind of help mold the next generation and uh people maybe uh, he sees as being disrespectful, not wanting to hear his advice and that kind of thing. And 
how that's come around now in WWE where everyone seems to be like uh, wanting to hear from Punk. So yeah, I, I think it was completely um, inevitable, but still shocking. Like when you, when you saw that kind of termination uh, document put out there, you're like, wow, it's actually happened. It's not mm-hmm. like we've decided mutually to part ways from each other. It's no, he's fired with cause and threatened me. And I feared for my life. I thought that was all very, very interesting. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned the the lack of conflict resolution between all parties, which they had a full year to try to figure out, and they never did, um, even a year plus, depending on how far back some of the issues went. And yeah, and you also mentioned earlier the uh, the firing uh, or a Tony dress, a Tony kind of addressing the firing on collision, both on screen and in the arena. He brought out a chair. Uh, this wasn't you know televised, but of course you know everything's televised when you have a phone in your hand. And uh, it just happened to be in Chicago. <laughs> I mean, talk about the worst possible timing to fire one of your top stars that happens to be so synonymous yeah. with uh, with Chicago. And yeah, he he went out there, he took the hit, and that video before it was surreal. It was just kind of just a surreal thing that after a year of uh, following the whole brawl out incident, we finally kind of had a resolution. And it was just, uh, yeah, it, it was quite a run for CM Punk, one we'll talk about at a different time. And going into, of course, I mentioned Chicago, they had All Out coming just a week after All In. You know, very successful All In show. And there were so many questions about All Out because the card took so long to come together because they were so focused on the first card that they didn't really build much to the second card out of like, I think one or two matches. So they had about a week to kind of pull things together. They had under about uh, around 10,000 people uh, at the United center, which uh, I'm sure was a lot less than they had hoped for. Of course, so no punk that certainly hurt it. I'd say a little bit. And this is what they pulled together. What they pulled together really was afterward uh, a very well-received show. And people seemed to really love this. It was kind of a, I don't know if it was a, uh, you know, rally behind AEW type moment, but the action people really seemed to enjoy. And it was kind of one of those, you know, don't, uh, it's hard for us to do is don't criticize a card before it actually takes place. That's kind of what we do is we kind of critique and do all those things. Mm. But we had all that. We had Brian Danielson versus Ricky Starks in a strap match, a match that I don't think any of us probably to start off the year on paper thought would happen, but here we go. Danielson coming back to kind of help save things with Punk being gone. Uh, Kanosuke Takeshita picking up a big win over Kenny Omega, uh, MGF and Samoa Joe at a pull apart, pull apart confrontation in an angle after the, uh, MGF and Adam Cole, a successful tag team title defense that opened the show. Uh, Lana slash CJ Perry made her debut after the, uh, Miro and powerhouse Hobbs match. So to kind of include her in the mix, Tony Khan afterwards saying that Perry had not signed a long-term deal with AEW. So it's un- unclear kind of how long this is uh, going to go with her. Uh, the main event of the night, John Moxley to being Orange Cassidy to win the international title. And then uh, Dennis Rodman, uh, of course, uh, NBA legend and former uh, NWO member back in the WCW days and has had his uh, dalances with uh, pro wrestling in the past, appeared on that Wednesday's collision. And then he was set uh, and did corner the acclaimed at the uh, zero hour uh, pre-show. So, yeah, the show overall, again, it was not it was uh it was a very unique moment for the company, and I'd say that the talent, as they usually do on these pay-per-views, came through with uh, pretty spectacular performances, and uh, it was just overall it was a well-received night on a night that they needed to have a well-received night. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I was at that Buffalo Dynamite right after Brawl Out, and you had the same sort of feeling. I remember like MJF, Moxley, and Wardlow all cut very sort of passionate 
promos and trying to rally behind. And you really got that feeling here where, um, yeah, they wanted to prove, look, this is our company. We still put on the best wrestling in the world and we're going to put on a killer pay-per-view. I still think it's it's completely justifiable to criticize uh, the build and the card for these events when you're asking your audience to pay 30, 40 bucks to watch it. And like, we know these pay-per-views, they've got the best wrestlers in the world. They're, they're going to deliver great matches. But when you're doing back-to-back pay-per-views one week after the other and the build to both, I think, suffered because of that, I think it's completely justifiable for an audience to uh, criticize and question that. I I don't think it's a great idea doing these one week after the other show. I think you saw, I already kind of criticized the Wembley show uh, with six mans and stuff. And I think you just dilute it a bit more uh, doing it that way around. Um, there's, I know he likes his, what, bank holiday weekends, but there's so <laughs> many, so many weeks in the year that you could, spread this out maybe a little bit um but all in all i thought all out was the better show in my opinion i thought that uh the main event was incredible with mox and orange and the uh the takeshita kenny match especially as well uh so i i thought it was a better show wrestling wise and as you said they really needed it at that point yeah it makes it hard to have time to breathe and think you know I, i covered the you know ufc for a long time and when the increase in cards happened, it was tough to actually kind of take in what you had just seen because you need time to think and have perspective and all this stuff. But when you have another 12 fight card coming up seven days later, it's hard to kind of get ahead and then also kind of think, think behind, you know, it was the same thing with this is that, you know, they put on a lot of action and a lot of well-received action in a, in a week's time, but it didn't give you any time to really kind of have marinate in this guy kind of here. What, where are we going? What have we seen? Did it pay, you know, and that, that's kind of one of the unfortunate things. And I hope I hope this is not a tradition of the back-to-back pay-per-view weeks, but my gut tells me it's going to be, you know? Because, again, as you mentioned, this this uh, bank holiday thing that uh, he keeps mentioning, I would uh, I would love to see them give some sort of space, even if it's, you know, three weeks or something like that, and then perhaps move Grand Slam if it's possible to October. You just try to try to figure out something where you give time fans a little bit more time to – to take this in, have the importance to have these really tentpole events rather than, oh, they're just, you know, they, they're doing this because, you know, they just, because they feel like they have to. Yeah, because you've, you've forgotten about their huge 80 plus thousand right. stadium show, yeah. like right away. I, I completely forgot Grand Slam was in that same sort of three, four week period as well. And you need to, like, I mean, I, I know like they're different companies, but yeah, I will compare to WWE, like, they wrestlemania everything builds to that right everything's building to wrestlemania and then after that you have you know the the next few rules and smackdowns they'll keep showing highlights of it it was the big event they'll let you remember they'll they'll big up the matches that really really delivered but it's like okay that's done on to the next thing and i i really think the whole uh you should be building for all in um like months out in my opinion Mm -hmm. i i remember there was a punk promo it was like Hey, there's a stadium show in three weeks and no one seems to be talking about it. Like, <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. And, and maybe they're doing a better job this time, you know, getting the, the, the early ticket sale for this. It's they're hitting you on the head, like nine months out that this is the big show. Um, I feel something like the continental classic would mean more to me if it was, you know, maybe in February and the winner 
goes on to challenge for the title at Wembley, something like that. I think it would, you'd want that sort of big build and have it as their, their big special show. Sure. Yep. I like that. So you mentioned Grand Slam, Grand Slam returning course to Queens, New York. Uh, a few title changes on this with Eddie Kingston winning the Ring of Honor world title against his uh, blood rival, uh, Claudio Casanoli. Uh, Sammy Guevara turned on Chris Jericho. Uh, Ray Phoenix defeated John Moxley for the AEW international title. Mox uh, got concussed during this match, and that was kind of a whole ordeal afterwards with why did the match continue? And so there was some uh, play discussion about that. And then this freak injury, which... You know, I, I I've mentioned this in the series before. I don't I don't we're not going to know about the whole however this Adam Cole MGF thing ends, where the next big kind of chapter is. We're not going to know how screwed up the timeline was until like years from now when these guys talk about it uh, and see how much this affected. Which was Adam Cole literally just running down to help MJF as he was defending the title against Samoa Joe to to, uh, to kind of back him up. And he did a, a pretty simple, you know, rundown, jumped off the ramp, something it's pretty mild when it comes to pro wrestling these days. And he broke his ankle, at least what he said, he broke his ankle in three places, uh, needed surgery. And it was just kind of one of those things like, you know, he was limping. You could see that. And it was just like, oh, maybe he just tweaked it or something like that. Right. And then mm-hmm. this happens. And, and again, who we're not going to know for a long time, probably for how badly this screwed things up, the timing and where they're looking to go with things at what time and so on and so forth. We still have no timeline for when Adam Cole is going to come back, but it was, uh, you know, it was just kind of one of these things that the company continues to, despite their best efforts, just get snake bit at the wrong time with injuries. And this wasn't in a match, you know, you hear their critics say, Oh, you know, the matches are too dangerous, all stuff. He literally was running down the ramp yeah. and like, I don't know, five foot. Dr- it wasn't that big of a thing. I mean, we've seen guys fall off cages through. Ca- I mean, every, everything <laughs> conceivable we have seen and guys get up and they're maybe a little banged up, but they're all right. And, you know, a little leap and, and he's hurt. So yeah, this was, I'm interested to see going forward where all this stuff is scheduled. Cause it's a lot to, you know, three big events in the course of what, three weeks to four weeks. That's, that's a lot, even for, you know, rabid fans, that's a lot to, take in and care about if you're trying to make all these things mean something. Yeah. I, I think grand slam should be moved. Um, like, as you said, maybe October or something like that. And, uh, as an actual pay-per-view, um, this was the first grand slam I didn't attend. Like I, Hmm. I made the trip for the first two. And, um, I think most of my friends, even my New York friends didn't go to this one because a, the ticket prices were a lot higher, um, on initial sale i know they they were doing offers and stuff day of but and also it didn't feel like the big build to it like we've seen before um like danielson and omega being that first uh grand slam sold it like that i was like okay i'm going to new york i'm i'm going to that and kind of as you said like not having time to breathe after all in all out um I think it was, you started to see that was the show where you go, oh, AEW's kind of, people aren't as into it anymore. And I, I remember it being a good show. I remember really enjoying Joe versus MJF and really enjoying Eddie versus Claudio. Um, but yeah, I didn't even consider making the trip for this one. Um, so I think next time, yeah, maybe move it a bit later. Also, it's it's a Wednesday night and I went to that, it's you've got the rampage taping after this thing finishes at like gone midnight. 
Yeah. I read the, the second one, I think it was 12.30, 12.40, something like that, this show finished. And people are just sleeping in their chairs, watching Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs kill each other in a, a no-holds-barred match or whatever yeah. it was. It's a Wednesday. It's a lot to ask from people. Whereas, you know, Saturday night in a, in a big, like, arena stadium like that, uh, as a pay-per-view, which you've built to, I think you could fill this thing again. But yeah. I would agree. Yeah. And of course, yeah, the, yeah, the Adam Cole injury, all that stuff. Yeah. It was a, uh, a notable night for us. I'm the wrong reasons. Let's um, let's go through. Um, there's a lot of other headlines here. I'll split this up in two chunks. I'll read through the first one, kick it over to you for any thoughts. If anything stuck out, uh, Tony Khan confirmed that Sonny Kiss's AW contract was not renewed and Sonny Kiss was shocked when she initially heard this news or he heard initially heard this news rather Christian Cage said he signed a new contract with AEW. I'd say uh, worth every penny so far. Uh, Tony Khan said that Jack Perry remains suspended indefinitely from AEW. We have not seen him since then as we record this in what mid December, but uh, very possible. We're going to see him very soon. I include this because we're going to talk about Jade Cargill in a minute, but some Jade Cargill quotes, there's no other place I'd want to be than AEW. And then she was believed to be leaving AEW and going to WWE. She made her return, surprise return on a Dynamite, and then uh, appeared on Rampage. It was taped later that night and lost to TBS champion Chris Statlander in a rematch. So that was uh, notable. We'll get to why in a minute because, spoiler alert, she was headed to WWE. Uh, mm-hmm. Tony Khan provided a private jet for AEW talent to attend the funeral of Bray Wyatt. Mike Santana announced his intent to become a singles wrestler in AEW. The report that Prince Nana signed a multi-year contract with the company. Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. FTR versus Aussie Open. Swerve versus Hangman Jericho. And Omega versus the Callis family. And an MJF Ring of Honor tag team title defense handicap match was scheduled for Wrestle Dream coming up in early October. And Darby Allen said the TNT title match, him against Christian Cage, was going to main event the show, which is very interesting. Why would that main event the show? Huh. Maybe because Adam Copeland was going to be making his debut. Nice hint toward the importance of that. Brian Danison clarified his plans uh, for his in-ring future. There was some talk about him retiring and being done forever. And he said essentially that he he wants to move into, into a phase where he can just wrestle pretty much anywhere and anywhere. And he could take years between matches. He could, you know, what he kind of wants to do what he wants to do and not be on a, a committed schedule. Uh, let's see. AEW, uh, the turnstile count, big controversy here. Mm-hmm. For all in turnstile count was revealed by the local government. It turned out there was I think just under 71,000 or a little over 71,000 people in the, in the, uh, Wembley stadium, which, you know, so many people ran wild with this. It's like 71,000 is pretty good. And you're never going to get a hundred percent attendance on the tickets you sell. So it was just funny that this became like a thing. Uh, the company announced their debut dates for both Montreal and Memphis. Wheeler Yuta was pulled from an indie match due to injury. QT Marshall agreed to a short-term AEW contract extension. And Samoa Joe talked about the AEW all-in incident for minutes before they were set to go out to open up that pay-per-view, saying that he wasn't really affected by the moment. Anything stick out to you there? Um, I guess uh, Jade Cargill's interesting. Uh, we've we still yet to see her actually uh, debut with uh, WWE, but I think... Um, I think that's someone who uh, their women's division kind of needed, obviously still very kind of green in ring, but look at her. She's completely got that star like appeal to her. So uh, I think that was kind of a big loss to AEW, her going to WWE and they seem to be training her until she's kind of a bit more ring ready to debut. Uh, The Mike Santana thing is interesting as well. Like I always respect a guy kind of, 
like, you know, betting on themselves. But I, I think it's also kind of a shame. I think there's so much more for Santana and Ortiz as a tag team. And I think they'd uh, probably be featured a lot more if they were as a tag team. It's It's surprising they never really had a tag title run there. So I think that, as I said, I, I respect betting on yourself, but AEW so loaded and you see so many stars who are kind of above Santana who are barely getting used as well. So um, yeah, and trying to think what else. Yeah, I mean, a lot going on, but mainly uh, mainly, I'd say the Jade thing really sticks sure. out to me. We'll go through this other chunk. Uh, Chris Jericho said that AEW is absolutely better than it was a month ago. Jake Hager says he's officially retired from MMA. In a random title change, the Young Bucks and Hangman Page won the Ring of Honor six-man titles in an episode of Rampage. Very strange year for the Young Bucks. Uh, Eddie Kingston said he was stepping away from the Indies, signed a four-year deal with uh, AEW. Christian Cage, a four-match Christian Cage, won the TNT title on an episode of AEW Collision, setting up a really fun uh, late fall, early winter run for him. Uh, Malachi Blacks uh, was dealing with a, cal- a calf tear and a hyperextended knee, which explained his absence. Ricky Steamboat explained why he changed an AEW angle with Ricky Starks, and essentially he made it for the better that Ricky Starks would beat him down. And and I think initially the angle was Star- uh, Steamboat was going to run Starks off, going to kind of make him a coward, but Steamboat said he wanted to get more heat on Starks, and so that's why he had Starks to really kind of lay him out and leave him laying in the ring. Uh, Jimmy Jacobs' Ring of Honor return was set for a Ring of Honor TV. Mystery Attackers laid out Jay White in a show-closing Dynamite angle. Of course, that was the first uh, first chapter of this devil storyline that's still going on now. We have no idea when it's going to wrap. Uh, Tony Khan apologized for the latest AEW uh, Dynamite technical issues on TBS, which was a trend throughout the year. Uh, kind of strange there. Brian Danielson said that doing the G1 Climax would be a little irresponsible of me. So no, uh, no luck there. For those wanting Danielson to do the G1 at some point before he's all said and done. Jim Ross said Tony Khan, he and he had a nice chat about his AEW contract. We'll see what happens there. And then uh, legendary Memphis announcer Dave Brown was set to uh, make his return to the company, or at least a uh, you know, guest appearance, rather, on an episode of AEW Collision called, I believe, a Jeff Jarrett match. So uh, any of that stick out to you? I, I found the whole... Uh... Young Bucks Hangman ROH thing quite weird. And looking back, I, I wonder if there were uh, potentially other plans for Ring of Honor. We just had final battle last night, um, but there seemed to be a point where they were like really trying to load this pay-per-view. You had Young Bucks and Hangman as six-man tag uh, holders. You had MJF holding the tag titles. You had Samoa Joe holding the um, TV title, Eddie holding the ROH title. Fast forward a couple of weeks and Bucks and Hangman have lost that. Samoa Joe's vacated the title. Uh, Eddie Kingston's putting the title on the line in this tournament. Um, MJF is, his partner's injured. He's injured. <laughs> like, so it just felt, I don't know if they were, we know Tony Khan's like shopping around this product and and maybe there was something that he thought was in the works or was trying to load the deck a little bit. And then when that didn't happen, he kind of pulled it back. But I did find that whole six man thing very odd, especially at a point where they seem focused on, you know, pushing hangman as a, a singles guy again with his feud with swerve and uh, just felt very distracting having this just random six man thing for a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I have been on the, the kick of, I really think that ring of honor should be the official deve- developmental group for AEW, like in, in name very similar to NXT. Cause you, and where, 
you have stars that can float down when you need to and kind of bulk it up. But I just think there's so many young talents they have that just don't get any in-ring time and could flourish. And in, in, mm. in some of the people they've let go, you would think that that'd be a good, instead of them you know, appearing four times a year, maybe if they had a regular place to work, you'd get something out of them. Um, I just, I think it's hard when you try to present two organizations as almost equal because as fans, we don't have so much time to take in and watch stuff. Right. And yeah. when you're adding in hours and hours, I think it's, uh, it's, it's difficult and you need a distinct kind of dividing line. And I, I like the idea of a, an organization. And, and I think it's, it'd be good for them. I mean, NXT is really working for WWE. It's a place they can develop people. And, you know, you don't have to do the same thing because you know, obviously they have a lot more money AEW does, but something where you can just have young talent work and then they have a place that they can get called up to. So it makes it feel bigger when they appear. And it's not just a, uh, you know, not just a, oh, so-and-so is appearing on Collision this week. Like there's something kind of made out of it. I, I think that there's, I, I think that there's something there they could do to make those lines more distinct. But that's, you know, when you pull fans focuses away and you're like, oh, both these are pretty much equal. Then it's kind of like, well, which one am I supposed to pay attention to? You know, that that's one thing I kind of worry about. And that's why I think maybe ROH is a true developmental. That'd be the, I don't know. I think that'd be a good, uh, a good way to honor it. Put it that way. Pun fully intended. I agree. I mean, obviously it's uh, a money thing, but I think having the tapings as part of a, a dynamite or collision or whatever hurts it as well, because people are tired or not as interested. It's not what they've gone for, but trying to i'd say have it more as that indie brand again you know mm. do smaller venues and tour and like like i think you'd get more passionate fans going to it oh roh is in town let's go to that and then i think still you've got uh your pay-per-views where people are going to want to to watch them but i mean pre-aw roh i never watched the tv but i'd i'd watch the pay-per-views absolutely or i'd go to see them when they're in town and i think having it more as a developmental having it like i said maybe run smaller venues like with hot hot small indie crowds yeah. uh, might be a bit more beneficial for it yeah i'd like to see that we'll uh we'll see if that happens i tend to think it won't but who knows uh let's see let's look to wwe and the company's deal with endeavor was official the merger tko officially began trading on the stock market and of course all these headlines coming out of this very uh Excited about the future. Uh, the company said that they're having very encouraging conversations uh, about WWE media rights. Nick Khan saying that a WWE UFC merger could offer some fighters an extended career, essentially saying that uh, you know fighters could go into pro wrestling. And, you know, I, I have said this before. I hate when pro wrestling is the junk drawer for celebrities. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, they need something to do. Let's they should go wrestle. They should go do this. It's like, it's not, it's just, I, I, I can't stand that. It drives me crazy. Um, Nick Khan said uh, on a potential CM Punk return, we only have respect for Phil. So file that one mm -hmm. away. Multiple executives, including, and Dana Warrior were gone as the company started doing these post-merger layoffs. Uh, there was a poorly that uh, wasn't actually a report. It turned out to be true. The Vince McMahon and Ari Emanuel spoke at a WWE staff meeting following the merger. It was very quick. Uh, former WWE board member went public saying that, Vince McMahon's return to the company did not align with his values, which is why he left. Uh, longtime executive Frank Rigg departed the company, taking a lot of money with him. Uh, Nick Khan teased the idea of WWE and UFC events running on the same day. He's also talked about running the same weekend. So a lot to come with this. But, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, the sale and how it was, you know, such a huge deal. It was finally official, finally cleared by U.S. Uh, government uh, um, organizations and, and so on. So, yeah, we were 
we're officially in the TKO era, and it would lead to a lot of things down the road. And you know, Vince McMahon essentially being removed from creative control, and and what we thought was going to happen has already changed. You know, a couple months later, but uh, yeah, here we go for the fir first time officially. WB is not you know their own separate company. Crazy stuff. Yeah, and I I think um, from my point of view, and I think I speak for a lot of fans. There's uh, there was that huge worry when Vince kind of came back into the into the company because we had uh, you know Triple H taken over from that SummerSlam and things seemed to be going good, and then Vince comes back in. But it's quite uh, positive that uh, he seems to be quite hands off uh, at least with creative and i think wwe's been in the best place it's been for a long time mm -hmm. um we still haven't seen anything like um you know ufc wwe weekenders yet but i i could totally see that being a thing you know like a a fight card on the saturday and a pay-per-view on the sunday i don't think we're gonna see the big kind of crossovers of just like you know ufc fighters on wwe cutting angles or whatever but um and i i'm with you i i think um i don't mind people transitioning over if they clearly care about it and respect it yeah. and want to be good and put the work in i think you look at someone like logan paul like like him or hate him he puts the work in and clearly wants to do what he's doing and isn't doing it for just a cash cash grab in my opinion um but yeah i i'd say for, for me i'm i'm positive on this uh endeavor deal because i'm enjoying the product way more than i was a year ago yep yep good good point and part of that the company shortly after announced that wb smackdown was returning to the usa network for a long time uh, first time in a long time of course they at this point still own the rights to raw we'll see where that turns out but a new tv rights deal five years 1.4 billion dollars total so it was about 40 percent over what the uh uh, 1.4x whatever you want to call it, what the original deal was but yeah but so you know domestically we knew that uh nbc universal is going to have a wb property for sure however it was kind of unexpected that it wasn't raw to officially go first so there's a ton of questions about this again as we sit here in mid-december we have no idea where raw is going to go but yeah we at least that uh you know usa network was going to keep keep having wwe on tv you know it's just a question of where what day is this going to go on uh again how does this affect raw i can't for the life of me i can't picture raw moving off monday nights just because it's such an institution because you know again people still say it, monday night rollins monday night whatever mm. they said that monday night is just a thing but again we're in a brand new era so who knows but yeah we we, we at least knew that smackdown was going to be sticking around a very familiar place at least domestically yeah i mean what usa has had raw for what 20 years something like that yeah they I they believe. had they had it for a while then it left for that whole tnn you know the national right. network and, and yeah. all that stuff and then it went back yeah but it's basically been there for yeah long so time. i mean we could be seeing a point where it's you know monday night smackdown on usa like that's been their <laughs> night for the longest time which is just bizarre as you said like oh. anything can happen now and uh i think uh like your your Nick Khans and your Ari Emanuels aren't necessarily bothered about tradition. It's what makes the most sense, what makes the most money. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. And I, I'm very curious with all these uh, TV rights changing, just when everything lands on, because it does affect my schedule when having to record. <laughs> uh, please, I, I'm just praying NXT doesn't move off Tuesdays because that works perfectly for me. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, it's... Yeah, it, nobody knows how this is whole thing is going to play. We don't. I mean, we have a whole uh, 
uh, what uh, next October is when the or something like that is when the raw rights end up. So I mean, we could mm. be we could be unclear about this for months and months and months. So yeah, pretty uh, pretty crazy stuff. Uh, and then uh, we had Jade Cargo. We just mentioned signing a multi year contract with WB after all those nice things she said about AEW. No place you'd rather be. And she ended up uh, across the street, so to speak. So yeah, it was uh, it was announced that she signed a multi year deal. Uh, she expected to be at the Performance Center. And she already said she already knows what WWE brand she'll be on. Uh, months later, we still have no idea what brand she'll be on. Mm. There was news that, uh, that the company was working on high-priority main roster creative. So there was some question about you know NXT or, or, or main roster. So at the time, the thought was main roster. He said her decision to sign with WWE is a no-brainer. It's funny, these quotes, you kind of have them for the whole month and uh, put them together, you know, not wanting to leave AEW and then a no-brainer. To sign with WWE, and then uh, Tony Khan was asked, and say so really can't comment on the uh, on the initial rumors. Afterward, uh, I believe the next month, uh, complimented her, says you know she's welcome back anytime, and and uh, you know wish her the best of luck. But yeah, this was a you know we talked about a few seconds ago, but this is a WWE doesn't sign like a lot of free agents. Mm-hmm. They sign a lot of people, you know, these NIL deals and kind of developing and so on. But Cody Rhodes, and we saw the impact that that's made, and then. Jade Cargill, of course, Punk had not signed as of this point, but they really are deliberate with who they sign. And this was one that, again, just a while ago, I'd say even a year ago, it just felt like when she got her, you know, when her contract was going to be up, I could see WWE, and I might even said this, I see WWE making a play for it because she looks like a WWE star. She has the look and has that, just has that thing. And I wasn't surprised that uh, that they signed her and but again, you know, who knows? <laughs> we have no idea where she's going to debut, when she's going to debut and all that. But uh, it'll be I, I wonder if it's going to be the Royal Rumble. I, I don't I'm very curious what they're going to do with her and when we're going to see her. But I'm sure you are as well. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, completely the right move from from both sides. And uh, I mean, she just looks like a complete star. And those I think they did a great deal uh, with making her feel like a star for people that maybe don't know her from AEW, you know, putting out the videos of her arriving at the PC and training and having her face to face with your Charlotte Flairs and your Becky Lynch's and Bianca's and all that. Um, and I think we will see her improve in, in ring. I think WWE, it's slightly different style where I think they can uh, accentuate her strengths a lot more uh, than maybe in AEW where she's exposed. But you also have the advantage of, house shows and the PC and all that, where she's going to be working way more than just pretty much we've seen every single match Jay Cargill's ever had, you know, like on TV with AEW. Right. So I, I think she's definitely going to improve. There's um, I, she has that presence. She can, she can cut a promo. I think she's going to fit in, uh, fit in pretty well in WWE. Thanks. She's too. Good point about the house shows. Yeah. She's wrestled total. Uh, 64 career matches dating back to in just two years. So, I mean, she's going to go through that in you know a year in yeah. WWE, you know, and yeah, that can only, that can only help her. So yeah, I think, uh, I think it makes a ton of sense for both sides and yeah, we'll see how it plays out and when it starts to play out. And then finally we go to, uh, to payback another big success for the company financially for, you know, 15,000 people in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, again, another record great. And, uh, WWE's a uh, success train keeps rolling. Uh, we had Becky Lynch over Trish Stratus in a well-received cage match that opened up the show. We had Seth Rollins over uh, Shinsuke Nakamura in a world title defense and a rematch was set later in the month already for Fastlane. John Cena hosted the show, uh, endorsed LA Knight, 
and that he uh, did a, um, a guest referee spot in uh, in the LA Night match, and it was set to to or eventually set to team together at Fastlane as well. Judgment Day won the undisputed WWE Tag Team Titles. The Great Muda appeared ringside for the main event between Seth Rollins and Nakamura. And again, just another huge financial success for the company. So yeah, just a, another month, another PLE, and uh, more success for WWE. What do you remember about this show? I, I remember this being really, really fun. Uh, that that tag match uh, with Judgment Day and Kevin and Sammy was a whole lot of fun. You had the whole what the hockey fight and the jerseys mm. and all that. Um, but I hope when people are putting together their like short lists of match of the year, people don't forget Becky and Trish in the cage. I thought that was one of the best uh matches of the year i i thought trish whereas we've seen so many like of her returns over the last 10 15 years whatever and they've just felt like nostalgia pops i love this run from trish with the heel character i thought she was putting on some of the best matches of her career um and just giving becky something to do while she's not in that title hunt as well i i thought they had a great feud and this this cage match really delivered for me and both like both just beating the shit out of each other. So I, uh, I really enjoyed that cage. Yeah. A lot of people did. It was a very well received show for sure. Uh, all right, let's go through a bunch of WWE news. We'll go through a first chunk and I'll kick it over to you. Uh, Jay Uso was announced as the newest member of the raw roster. as He was traded for SmackDown for future considerations. Gunter uh, made the officially knocking out the hockey talk man as the longest reigning intercontinental champion. Uh, R.I.P. Honky Tonk's long IC run. Uh, Nick Aldis said his WWE producer role at the time was currently a handshake situation. That would change in the future, of course. Dakota Kai said she didn't expect to be cleared for her in-ring return until January. And then there was some L.A. Night news. Uh, it was reported that he and the company were trying to finalize in a long-term contract. He was expected to receive a mega push, quote-unquote, from the company. And then another report came out that they were far apart on money in contract talks. And they let you the month he tested positive for COVID-19. Quite a September. For, uh, for LA Knight, and still at this point, I don't believe it's signed a new deal. Uh, Selena Vega said she would absolutely love to see CM Punk return to the company. Drew McIntyre said, I don't plan to be anywhere other than WWE. As some contract talks for him come up for uh, 2024. Rapper Cardi B said she would love to fulfill her dream of appearing for WWE, so I fully expect that to happen at some point if she's willing to put in the work. As you mentioned, Logan Paul, Bad Bunny. You know, as I've said in the series before, these celebrities have now uh, they've set a, a different bar for other people to come after. If you're not willing to commit, they're not going to put you in there for the most part. Uh, the company returned to India uh, for the first time in a long time for the superstar spectacle. John Cena teamed with Seth Rollins on the show, and then uh, Becky Lynch was unable to travel to India for the event. Pretty deadly return to TV on SmackDown. And then Matt Riddle, controversial Matt Riddle, was released. There was a whole situation about this. Uh, New, uh, New York Port Authority uh, Police Department were investigating a sexual assault claim that Riddle made against an officer. He was not at Raw following the incident. Uh, there was a uh, TMC release, some footage for the incident. And the uh, the run of Matt Riddle in WWE came to an end. And uh, the, I'd say the unlikely run, I, I didn't know. I just didn't think he would ever make it to the main roster. I just didn't feel he was a Vince guy. But uh, lo and behold, he, he, he got called up. He made an impact, a very popular, and then the end just got very, very weird for Matt Riddle. Yeah, like it's it's the guy's his own worst enemy, really. I've I've been watching Matt Riddle for quite a while, like before he even went into NXT. And uh I I think he's a great performer. And you know, you had the whole RK Bro thing was super popular. Randy's just come back. There was 
I assume plans for some kind of feud between those two there. I thought there was real potential with Matt Riddle, but just you keep on hearing just reports of of issues and problems and doesn't seem to kind of grow up, unfortunately. So uh, kind of like the punk firing from AEW, I thought this looked like it was going to be inevitable. Um, but yeah, he's he's his own worst enemy. And we'll go through uh, some of the other notes of the month, which includes some releases. Uh, Nia Jax made her return on episode of Raw, attacking Rhea Ripley. Uh, JoJo uh, shared a tribute to Bray Wyatt. Miss, uh, said, I miss the life, love of my life so much that it hurts. Of course, uh, JoJo, the wife of Bray Wyatt, mother to, I believe, five kids, if I remember right. Uh, the company revealed the date and location for the Royal Rumble, which would be late January at Tropicana Field in Florida. Uh, Elimination Chamber is announced for Optus Stadium in Australia. And an early time for us U.S. viewers, 6 a.m. is what is expected to be the, the early start time. As you are talking about earlier, the company can now go overseas and can start in, in a time that's good for locals and not just for us here in the States. Uh, the company announced a new meteorite deal for Japan. Uh, Hulu said that streaming rights are currently set to expire with WWE. However, they seem to just keep getting renewed until they're aligned with uh, whatever they're trying to do. Uh, Roman Reigns' next match was expected to take place at Crown Jewel. Good for him. He's coming back and in, in, uh, in all that. An undisputed champion and so on. The Rock confirmed that his WrestleMania 39 match against Reigns was quote-unquote locked in. But he just didn't want to do a match. He wanted to do something unprecedented that would change the industry. But they never nailed down what that would be. You know, he never didn't work out. Speaking of The Rock, this was a big surprise. The Rock and Pat McAfee made their surprise returns on an episode of SmackDown. Uh, the Rock was uh, completely blown away by his reaction, and Pat McAfee said that the appearance came together really quick. This is on a SmackDown in Denver, and Pat McAfee was doing a college game day for ESPN earlier that day. The Rock was also on this as well. Can't remember what he was promoting, but yeah, then uh, yeah, they appeared uh, on Friday SmackDown. That was like a huge, a huge thing. Uh, John Cena was advertised for Crown Jewel. Uh, Bianca Belair said the uh, reason she was taking a break from high, uh, WWE was just some self care. Randy Orton was seen at the Performance Center, so there's some buzz about his return. The company officially uh, terminated their partnership with Panini for a breach of contract. That would go to court. And then we had some releases. We had uh, Mustafa Ali uh, said he was no longer working with the company. Ikeman Jiro, uh, Performance Center wrestler named Melanie Brzezinski, uh, Dolph Ziggler, Shelton Benjamin, Emma, um, Riddick Moss, some of the others that were released, Dana Brooke, Mace Mansoor. Uh, Seamus was dealing with a shoulder injury, and then Becky Lynch said she was going to release an autobiography in March of 2024. So, yes, we saw some releases. We saw, again, the company, and I guess I don't blame them. They can't get away from The Rock and John Cena. These guys are in the past are just, they're always going to be here, no matter what. But uh, a lot of other people wouldn't. But, yeah, Mustafa Ali finally getting his release, and uh, he's teasing some stuff coming up for later this month. So, yeah, some interesting stuff all the way around. Yeah, so this was uh, during the uh, the strike, right? So yes, uh, yes. it's just interesting, the strikes going on, the Rock is dropping that, you know, the match at WrestleMania was going to happen and then it didn't. Kind of the buzz starting around again for this coming WrestleMania or oh, the Rock. But now that strike's over, so those, those rumors have kind of died <laughs> down a lot. Um, and yeah, it's interesting. We're recording this in... December, obviously. So those 90 days with a lot of these releases will be coming up pretty soon. Um, the Mustafa Ali one was just a bit weird because you had him booked for the the like the NXT PLE that weekend, I think. And then uh and he was in the middle of the the kind of Dominic Mysterio story and all that. And then um 
for a guy who'd been asking for his release for years, it feels like to then be released mid story is just a bit strange, but yeah. uh, I can't say any of those releases are particularly surprising. Dolph Ziggler, obviously being the biggest name there, but probably on the most money of them all as well and not really being used. Um, but yeah, going into the new year, it'll be interesting to see where a lot of these names show up. Yeah. And you know, especially with like the younger talents, the um, some of the angsty that you know the, the PC people that may have not got you know the start, it's really a good indication of like how much are they into wrestling, right? Mm. And kind of going forth, go, we were talking about earlier, are they are they really into this, or they, was it just something to do uh, until they kind of figure out what their next career move is, or looking for superstardom, without really having a passion for this business? And it's hard, it's hard to make it in this business without liking it. You know, I mean, yeah. some people and and that just uh, you know they get in this, and it's just uh, they're like, oh, we'll give it a shot, and they become a little bit good at it and get some fanfare, and then things go south, and they're like, I don't really want to do this anymore. So, yeah, it's always interesting with these releases a year later, kind of seeing where people are at. And uh, speaking of the PC, let's talk about NXT in the month. There we had Becky Lynch winning the NXT Women's Title. I don't know if anyone expected that to happen in 2023. Defeating Tiffany Stratton. We had No Mercy, uh, Ilya Dragunov defeating Carmelo, uh, Carmelo Hayes for the NXT title. Trick Williams defeating Dominic Mysterio for the North American title. So a lot of title changes at the top. Uh, two company wrestlers uh, were set for the Reality of Wrestling event for Booker T. Charlie Dempsey taking on Axiom. Tiffany Stratton said she wants her main roster call-up as soon as possible, whereas Ilya Dragunov said he's not in a rush to be called up to the main roster. Gable Stevenson wrestled at a NXT house show, and he also withdrew from the Amateur Wrestling World Championships. Ariana Grace returned from injury at a live event. The company announced a return of their breakout tournament. Tatum Paxley and Javier Bernal, big body Javi, announced mm -hmm. their engagement. Brogan Finley was reportedly set for a Performance Center tryout. Butch won the Global Heritage Invitational Tournament. A Brian Pillman Jr. vignette aired on NXT TV, and the company officially announced deadline for December. So, yeah, I again, I did not expect uh, Becky Lynch to be the NXT Women's Champion, but I guess that when you're looking for high TV rights and, and new deals, you pull out all the tricks, and that's what happened. And I'm not fun fully intended. I'm not talking about Trick Williams, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think NXT's had a really good year this year. I have. Yeah. I think the integration of uh, main roster talent as well to kind of get some more eyes on it. Um, I know there's the criticisms of, oh, why is why is a Becky Lynch taking the developmental brand title? But in doing so, it elevated Tiffany Stratton, I think. It got way more eyes on, on Tiffany, and I think she rose to the occasion in both matches against Becky. Um, I, I think you've really seen, we, we had like the, uh, you know, Early NXT, when you had a lot of your PC people uh, like your Bailey, Sasha, Charlotte's, etc., um, building up, and then you had the kind of super indie era with your Finn Balor's, Owens, um, you know, uh, Nakamura, all that kind of stuff as well. And now we're back to real homegrown talent, and I think uh, it started off real rocky with with 2.0, but. Now we're seeing all those people coming to their own. Trick Williams just uh, like looking like an absolute star, like they're putting a lot behind him right now. Mm -hmm. um, the matches between Ilya and Carmelo really delivered. Just, you know, when you've got either of those two in a match, you're going to get quality. Um, and yeah, just seeing some of these people that have only been doing it for a year or so, like a Tiffany Stratton, uh, like a Bron Breaker, really like... Uh, 
putting on some excellent matches. I think the the NXT brand is really working now as a developmental, but also entertaining again and putting on those matches. And I think going back to kind of Jade earlier, if you can see what it's done to a Tiffany in such a short space of time, I think we're going to see like vast improvements from, from a Jade Cargill. Yeah, I was thinking the other day driving if, uh, you know, there's always this, I think it might have been a Kevin Nash quote years ago. We talked about, you know, it takes, the wrestler should be, I'm going to paraphrase, it takes about 10 years to get to the big time, or that's really how how long it should take. I And, you know, you mentioned some of these, uh, you know, these wrestlers on this list, and I, I wonder if that philosophy, was it ever, like, were, were there people just doing it wrong all along? You know, did it really take that long? You know, or their talents that got overlooked or didn't get called the big time because they just didn't have the amount of work or anything like that? Because you look at now, I mean, there's so many talents in, in, in wrestlers in NXT that will get the call up. And, you know, you can tell some of them may not be ready yet or whatever. But there's so many that may have, I don't know, three years experience, four years experience. And they go up and you would never know the difference, right? It's just, it, I'm, I'm, it's, it's making, the way they're doing things now is making me kind of rethink of, is this the right way to do it? Was this the right way all along? I don't know. It's it's a completely different culture now, isn't it? Like you're uh, like with NXT, it's a PC they're attending pretty much every day of the week, putting in their training and stuff. It's not the the party culture it used to be of you know going around doing your show, getting drunk all night, hitting the next town, doing it. Like it's it's these are athletes now. These people are treating it like way more like a sport and they're putting in the time uh, to do it. And obviously maybe it's uh, something that's changed is you don't have as much calling in the ring, maybe as you used to. And uh, a lot of it might be a lot more rehearsed um, than it used to be. But yeah, I, I think you, you see like these, uh, these people, like, as you said, it, it doesn't necessarily take 10 years. Um, but I think maybe that is still true, like breaking through to that, top top tier level yeah uh, we're seeing wrestlers like in their 50s who are still going strong and i think there's always the like uh like clamor for uh for someone to break through and be the next star and take a take a sammy Zayn. i think it was what around 2016 i think he made his main roster debut and i look at him and i'm just like oh he's a he's a daniel bryan like like have him have that underdog story and, and chase and get the title. It could be 2025 before he finally wins the title. I think <laughs> he will get his flowers one day, but it's that's just where the kind of world we're in now. People's careers are way longer. Um, but I do think still the the cream rises to the top as well. I would agree. Yeah, good points. Let's uh, flip to Impact Wrestling. Tommy Dreamer, talk about young fellas, right? Tommy Dreamer <laughs> winning the digital media title. At Impact Victory Road, uh, Jordan Grace made her return to the company, picking up a win over former champion and rival Deanna Perrazzo, and then uh, Josh Alexander defeating Steve Macklin in a match that had been uh, on the tab since uh, April, but was not have, able to happen due to injury, and finally happened at Victory Road. Will Ospreay was set for his return to the company, set for Impact Turning Point as part of their upcoming UK tour, and then he was also announced to be facing Speedball Mike Bailey at October's Bound for Glory in a match that turned out like pretty damn great. Mike Tanay and Don West were announced to be inducted into the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame by Scott Demore. Uh, the company announced that or, or had their Impact 1000. It's set to air as a two-week event. Gail Kim suffered a concussion in her return to the ring in this tag team match. Uh, poor, 
we figured come back after a long absence and get a concussion, you know, lucky, lucky her. Uh, team 3D returned for the first time as a team in seven years. They had a feast or fired match. Awesome Kong returned. Part of that aforementioned uh, Gail Kim match it was, a, I think, a 10 knockout tag team match. And then Chris Saban defeating Leo Rush for the Impact X Division title. Tracy Brooks also in inducted in the uh, Impact Hall of Fame by Gail Kim. PCO gave his notice to the company. Sammy Callahan's contract was expiring. The company announced they were bringing back Gut Check in their tryout events in the United Kingdom. And then Kenta announced he's making his return to Impact Wrestling and set to challenge for the X Division title at Bound for Glory. Thoughts about any of that? Yeah, I, I can't say I saw a whole lot of impacts this year. I just, uh, it's, unfortunately, it just suffers from there being too much wrestling. Like, does, yeah. just through WWE and AEW alone, that takes up a lot of time of the week. But I do think they've they've kind of uh, shed a bit of that stink they had for a long time. I think they're, they've got a solid roster. Um, you know, putting on marquee matches like Osprey v. Speedball, um, I think Josh Alexander, he's always someone I want to check out. I think they've become like a, a pretty like competent company now at this point, where if you are someone who just wants to watch wrestling every single day, you're going to get a good show uh, with Impact these days and um, would be interested with a lot of those releases we just mentioned, who goes there. I, I personally see a kind of Dolph Ziggler maybe being a bit more worth something in an impact at this point than an AEW that's already so loaded. Yep. Um and going with the like the TNA rebranding again, I think it's it's a chance for them to kind of establish themselves again, especially if you know some people are starting to get a bit jaded with AEW in the last few months. So really uh, I, I haven't heard that from it. <laughs> <laughs> so you you do need like like more places for people to work and there's so much top talent out there right now and TNA kind of picking up the scraps but the scraps they've got are, are pretty fantastic as well so but I, I can't say uh it it's gonna carve out much of my time unfortunately just because there's so much out there yeah they do uh they do a lot of short-term contracts like four-month deals and things like that and yeah, I, I could see them totally bringing in Ziggler or something like that. Cause you're right. They're going to get kind of swallowed up in AEW with all the talent they have there already. You get that initial kind of big, holy shit pop. But then after a while, you know, the week to week, it just doesn't seem to work. Plus, you know, with impact they do, you know, do it's this trend that you're seeing where they do a, a big event and then a, a TV taping, and then they're done for like a month. So mm -hmm. you're not asking talent to commit a lot so they can work other dates and other places and they could do other commitments and not feel like they're, tied down so yeah it's a impact slash tna is going to be an interesting position in uh in 2024 maybe they can get some of the people that are kind of slipping off from uh from aw we'll have to see uh so let's head to japan we'll take a, a run through this kevin kelly gave an update on his new japan commentary status saying that the reason he was leaving is his wife didn't want to be alone anymore because he was uh, gone so much the company announced dates for the world tag league the company announced their first matches are official for their New Japan Strong Fighting Spirit Unleashed show. A heavy CMLL influence in those first few matches announced. New Japan World said they were launching new features and improvements this fall. It's part of a kind of a rebrand and a relaunch there. The Impact team of Josh Alexander and the Motor City Machine Guns were set to challenge for the six-man tag team titles at New Japan's Destruction event in Tokyo. Chris Jericho challenged Kanosuke Takeshita, but not for AEW, but for DDT Ultimate Party. That would happen. Due Japan's destruction, Kobe notes, we had uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay, official for Royal Quest 3 in London. 
Hiroki Goto was out of action with injury. And then uh, Kanshuko Nakajima announced he was going to leave Noah in October. That would strike the interest of uh, several people in wrestling. We'll talk more about that in the October episode. Uh, New Japan announced their Battle in the Valley 2024 date and location, January in San Jose. And then Mariah May said she had a flight to catch after her final start of the show. And that flight be heading to the States and a signing with AEW. Thoughts about any of that? Uh, I found uh, the whole Takeshita thing this year quite strange. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, I just want to clarify, I, I do like AEW. I feel like I'm I'm moaning about it a lot, but it's it's because it's been a frustrating company this year. I still think they put on, you know, the best wrestling out there. But Takeshita is one of those frustrations. He He gets two big wins over Kenny Omega. Like he's presented as like the, the kind of head of the Don Callis family, like those reactions he got when he first turned were great. And then he just disappears. He has this match against Jericho, which uh, I'd have thought with the momentum they were giving him, he'd have gone over. He didn't. And now he's just been relegated to Rampage and stuff like that. And I think there was, there was a point point where they really seem to be strapping the rocket to this guy and it just disappeared. And we've seen that quite a lot in AEW. Daniel Garcia is another one where um, they seem to put a lot behind and then just completely pull it away. Yeah. Um, so he's definitely someone who's uh, been frustrating to watch this year. Uh, New Japan, it's it's been very little I've watched this year compared to others. I'm just kind of not interested. There's a lot of rematches or a lot of pushing of guys that I I'm not particularly interested in like a, like a Finley or a Sonata. Um, I'm sure Wrestle Kingdom is going to be good, but I'm, I can't say I'm particularly uh, too enthralled by new Japan uh, based on what they've put out the last year. And I, I really hope going into 2024, they, they start to shake things up a bit, you know, just hot shot someone like Yota Suji, um, that, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, like new Japan didn't really do it for me this year. Yeah, you mentioned Takesha. That's a, a great point. He uh, he would seem to be one you'd want to put in the Continental Classic, but I think part of the problem is that Tony Khan doesn't want to beat him, and that's. But you have to have something else for him to do, or else all this momentum you just built up just subsides, and that's, you know, that's been one of the issues. Is um, and it's fun to complain about AEW because it, we're passionate about it, right? It's something. Yeah. It's a it's a startup work. It's kind of struck a nerve with with so many of us that you know WB just kind of like. Uh, made it difficult to get into WWE for so long and they're doing so great. It's like, it's not as interesting to talk about them because there's all these, it's they, they're established. They're there. You know, there's certain things that are fun to kind of chat about, but like AEW, all these, they built all this collection of, of, of talent, but it's a problem that when you don't want to beat certain people and, but you have some, have to have something for them to do and you can't just keep introducing new belts every week. It's just this mm-hmm. weird uh, conundrum they find themselves in where they have this talent and they don't really know what to do with them from time to time. And, and just kind of, again, as you mentioned, <laughs> you know, appearing on a random uh, trios match on Rampage, it's just, it's just unusual, I guess. And I, I'm not sure how they kind of fix that other than, I mean, you'd have to, you have to cut a significant part of the roster in order to give yourself more breathing room, I guess. But I don't, I don't see them doing that. So it's a, it's a, you're right. It's a weird kind of spot for Takeshi where he seemed to elevate to a certain level. He had the big win over Omega, and they never really kind of followed up on that. As we sit here in you know mid December. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's completely a thing. Like Miro as well. He's yes. He seems to be someone that 
Tony Khan respects enough that he doesn't want him to take pinfalls, but in doing so, he just doesn't wrestle. He's he has like four matches a year. He's on like a Roman Reigns deal. Yeah. It's it's just bizarre. And I think I think you can get away with something like the Continental Classic. Like I think that's something the G1 always does well, is you know, carrying through those injuries and stories from other matches. So you can have uh upset wins where a, a Takeshta loses, um, because he's been so banged up from the ma- match prior or something like that. I I think you can afford to have your, your stars take a pinfall every now and then, uh, but to just have them completely disappear, it's uh, it, it's just lazy. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And, and the thing is, you can have good, re- good wrestlers beat other good wrestlers and yeah. people be okay with it because they're good wrestlers. That's the thing. It's not, you know... Uh, you know, not having like Spike Dudley defeat, you know, Kanosuke Takeshi or something like that, having, you know, other talents. And that's, you know, as I've watched this tournament, it's, uh, it's with, you know, if uh, Swerve Strickland beats Jay White, it's like, oh, Jay White's getting buried. It's just like, no, they have a, a, it's Swerve Strickland's time to get elevated. You don't lose anything because Jay White had a great match with a, another great wrestler. It's kind of the part of these tournaments is, is it's fun like that. Yeah. It happens in sports. Top teams yes. lose to top teams. Yes. Like that's that's the nature of competition. All right, well, let's go to the junk drawer to round things out. This is everything that uh, did not fit in the categories above. Uh, former MLW Tag Team Champion Calvin Tankman entered free agency. An American Joshi promotion, Sukaban, uh, debuted in September in New York City. Minoru Suzuki was set to make his MLW debut, MLW debut rather, at Slaughterhouse against Jacob Batu. Alex Kane defending the world title against Davy Boy Smith Jr. Also scheduled that show. Selena De La Renta made her return to the company after a long absence. New Japan, MLW, and CMLL announced a strategic alliance. NWA announced their Samhain pay-per-view for October, and uh, that would certainly be newsworthy for so many reasons. <laughs> General Adnan of uh, WWE fame, and of course, uh, worked all over the indies and, and uh, the territory era, uh, passed away at 84 years old. Velvet Sky announced her departure from the NWA. BJ Whitmer was indicted on charges related to a June domestic violence arrest. Hacksaw Jim Duggan recovering after uh, emergency surgery was out of the hospital two days and, and doing better. After that, Umaga's son Zillafatu was no longer with Reality of Wrestling. Hulk Hogan got married for the third time, marrying a Sky Daly and quite a name there. And uh, Brooke Hogan did not attend and explained why basically just, you know, family issues and kind of choosing to go a different way. Adam Cole announced that he was going to be wrestling at an upcoming deadlock pro event, a uh, Indiana out of North Carolina of course with a broken ankle and all that stuff that would not happen. Uh, Mandy Rose addressed the possibility of her return to the ring. The show heels starring uh, CM Punk and others were canceled by stars after two seasons. Trey Miguel and Ashley Dumbois who had just got engaged. Uh, and then uh, I believe Ashley may have hurt her ankle and the same weekend were involved in a hit and run accidents and the ups and downs with uh with their situation there uh that was in september then uh joyce grable uh was a, a female wrestler from back in the day had passed away at 70 years old thoughts about any of that not overly but just shows just again how much how much wrestling there is now uh with all these companies and uh uh but yeah i i can't say i've got a whole lot to add with with some of this stuff yeah uh okay well i I mean that was a a a loaded month again we started off with uh the cm punk firing 
uh, AEW All Out Grand Slam, and of course WWE doing uh, big things there. Jade Cargill, the Endeavor deal is official, and then uh, yeah, new rights deal. It figures that you know a a new TV rights deal for SmackDown was like eighth on the list and like importance, yeah. right? I mean, there's so <laughs> many things that happen in this month alone. So another fun month, another fun fun conversation. Before I let you go, let's uh, give you a chance to plug where people can can hear you and see you, and uh, the floor is yours. Absolutely. Uh, I host the uh, uh, show Up Next on Post Wrestling every Tuesday night where myself and Braden Harrington give our review of NXT. And then every Sunday uh, at 2 p.m. usually we go live on our Poison Rana YouTube and podcast feed where we talk about the whole week's uh, news in wrestling. We give our kind of thoughts on Dynamite, Collision, WWE uh, and everything else going on in the world. And then we have our Patreon, um, patreon.com slash Poison Rana, um, where we cover old wrestling. We have a show called Best Match Ever. Uh, we're just about to do a show uh, looking at the best WWE matches from CM Punk. Uh, we do movie reviews as well. We just recorded our uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King review because it's the 20th anniversary of that release. Uh, we look at old pay-per-views, uh, so much on that feed. We've been going for a few years now. I think there's over like 550 shows uh, for just $5 a month. Um, and we just launched our new merch store as well, chopped Tees. Com. So go check out all the sweet merchandise we have available as well. That's right. Perfect for the holiday season. I like it. Absolutely. Well, Davey, thank you so much for stopping by. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you most likely next year. We'll uh, we'll bring back for another edition of the Year in Review Series. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Take care, Josh.